0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest from the state capitol, the Minnesota Twins plan to have fans in the stands for the home opener, and new Gopher basketball coach Ben Johnson. But first... It was a significant week in the Derek Chauvin trial as jury selection was completed. Monday, the trial will begin with opening statements. I recently spoke with former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota Thomas Heffelfinger to get some of his thoughts on the proceedings so far. I
1: found it quite uh, amazing, and the lawyers and the judge should be proud that they were able to seat a panel of uh, 15 jurors who are diverse, both by race and gender, but also by age and background. Um, It really does reflect the diversity of the people of Minnesota.
0: You know, one of the key issues that came up again and again as each juror was questioned was the the timing of the settlement between the city of Minneapolis and the family of George Floyd. Uh, Obviously, that impacted the jury selection process. Um, now that that's finished, do you think that it would have any kind of an impact on the trial itself? Well, first of all, I don't think it's finished.
1: Uh, you, The settlement was announced uh, about two weeks ago, 10 days ago. And what was announced was that the city council approved it. But the settlement hasn't been approved. And as the city attorney pointed out, the documents haven't even been finished. The federal judge overseeing that civil case hasn't approved it. And I am just knowing how those kinds of cases work because I've handled them myself, this the settlement is going to pop up again probably during the actual trial itself. And which is one of the reasons why the judge wanted fourteen or fifteen people to have a couple alternates. Because it's possible it's probable in my opinion, based on my experience, that yet again there will be a lot of publicity generated around the civil settlement which could impact how the jurors view the case.
0: Late last week, Judge Cahill uh, announced his decision on the defense motions to move the trial and delay it. He uh, opted to deny both of those requests. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Among his reasoning was the fact that uh, you probably couldn't get anywhere in the state where this case hasn't been publicized. Wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, both the request for a delay and the request for change of venue uh, sort of get to the same issue, uh, which is, is there a place in Minnesota where you can get a group of people who have never heard of the case? The answer is you can't. And I think Judge Cahill was right on that. And put another way, do you really want a juror who's so out of touch that they've never heard of the George Floyd case? Uh, You probably don't want that either. So, no, I, I... think that the judge, there's no surprise in the judge denying the change of venue. Um, and the because he already had at that time 12 jurors seated, there was also no, de, no surprise that he denied the delay.
0: And so opening statements are due to begin uh, 9 o'clock Monday morning. What are you going to be watching for in particular um generally speaking, in those, those first couple days of the trial once uh, opening statements start?
1: Opening statements are designed to give the jury an overview of what each party, the defense and the prosecution, is going to offer as evidence or uh, positions they will take in rebutting anticipated evidence. It is not an argument as to what the evidence means. So I expect, and these are good lawyers with a lot of experience, I expect that they will do pretty much that. They will lay out the evidence that they think is crucial and important. The bit of evidence that I think is uh, probably the most crucial piece is the medical evidence, the the cause of death. And you recall in Judge Cahill's recent decision on allowing that that 2019 evidence in, he was focused on the fact that, yes, the cause of death is a major contested part of this case. I expect that to be part of both parties' opening statements. The evidence from the videos are uh, will be shown, but I think the part that's going to be the focus of early testimony, or whether it's early or the middle, I don't know, but it's going to be the cause of death, medical evidence.
0: Tom, anything else in particular you'll be watching for once the trial begins? The impact of the COVID pandemic on this trial.
1: Obviously, when we look at the pictures of what the inside of the courtroom looks like, it's obvious. But one of the reasons why there's only three additional jurors is, in a case with this much publicity, you would normally have had more than just three, in my experience. I've tried highly visible cases when you have you know, maybe four or five even extras in case somebody uh, is exposed to visit to publicity. Um, and I know that the judge advised the world that he could only seat 15 people. Um, let me rephrase that. He could only seat 14 people because there wasn't room in the courtroom to add more seats for more alternate jurors. Because right. of the pandemic distancing requirements, uh, I I hope that in, that there is no uh, buddy in the, uh, the jury that gets exposed to this, because that is a could be a cause for removal of a juror that could jeopardize the entire trial. If they end up with getting three or four jurors, I mean, down with COVID
0: you could end up not having enough cures to try the case. And, of course, that's something that we'll be watching for in the weeks ahead. Thank you again to my guest, former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota, Tom Heffelfinger. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
2: Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, coworkers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community, too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal. Provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Bringing power to the people of Minnesota.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week at the Minnesota Legislature, before lawmakers take a break for Passover and Easter, brought sharply etched lines of dispute between Republicans and Democrats on major budget issues. MNN's Bill Werner recaps. Scott, it's pretty clear the
4: legislature is headed for another battle over tax increases as lawmakers get ready for that final push toward what they hope will be a deal on the next two-year state budget before the mid-may adjournment deadline for the regular session House Democrats unveiled their budget plan this week 700 plus million dollar increase for K-12 education 323 million more for health and human services programs 120 million increase for higher education those among the top categories representative Paul Marquardt from Dilworth says it will include tax cuts in some areas some is the key word here
5: there' certainly be tax cuts to individuals and small businesses on the PPP and unemployment insurance and aid and we're going to pay for that with progressive ongoing revenue that's going to create more fairness and level the playing field.
4: Marquardt is talking about a top bracket income tax increase and that is the heart of the budget conflict with Republicans.
6: They want to raise taxes. Well we told the governor we're not going to raise taxes and guess what House We will not raise taxes. We don't need to. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. $1.6 billion surplus and then billions and billions and billions of money is coming from the federal government. So now is not the time to raise taxes.
4: House Democratic Majority Leader Ryan Winkler's response.
6: Big corporations and the richest Minnesotans have seen their wealth soar while so many others have struggled worse than ever.
4: And House Speaker Melissa Hortman says Democrats proposed budget.
2: It directs assistance and investment to those who need it the most so that they can get through COVID-19 and then thrive once it's over.
6: We've heard their budget. Now we have to work at putting a budget together that the House and Senate agree to. We'll do it, but it won't have tax increases.
4: If lawmakers do not pass a two-year budget by the legislature's mid-May adjournment deadline, a special session will be necessary to avoid state government shutdown at the end of the fiscal year on June 30th. Democrat-controlled Minnesota House this week passed a $107 million funding bill for summer school programs, even as Governor Walls urged Senate Republicans to do the same. House sponsor Minneapolis Democrat Jim Davney says that bill invests in students, families, and communities who are hardest hit.
6: Who have carried, in many ways, the heaviest burden.
4: Of this pandemic. House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd responds the bill is equitable probably only for the Minneapolis School District, which would get $60 additional per pupil.
6: And the statewide average is 31. So can you imagine how many people are below 31 if Minneapolis is getting
4: 60? Republicans say that bill benefits state bureaucrats, not students. As the House passed a summer school funding bill in the Senate, Democrats agreed with the Republican majority on a bill that would require the Education Department develop a plan for statewide testing of students this spring using the MCAs, the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Tests. Lionel Lakes Republican Roger Chamberlain.
3: Finding out where the kids are and then uh, we can work towards solving that problem
7: and catching them up.
3: New Brighton Democrat Mary
4: Kunish voted for the bill but expressed reservations.
2: Our students are just going back to school and now they have to take the MCAs.
4: A measure that would have allowed the tests to be administered remotely was removed from the bill after some lawmakers warned of possible access problems for some students or even cheating in unsupervised settings. Lawmakers note, though, parents are still able to opt out of having their children take the test. A key minnesota senate committee this week considered but did not vote on a proposed three million dollar payment from the state to the family of corrections officer joseph gom who was murdered by a stillwater prison inmate in july of 2018 officer gom's sister audrey Cohn told lawmakers
2: as a son a brother and uncle he was always there for us for his siblings and his mother
4: Former State Representative Nick Zerwas says Officer gom's family received $60,000 in workers' compensation benefits, but...
1: His murderer was paid $300,000 from the DOC for the loss of his eye in a prison fight that he started.
4: But Democratic Senator Ron Lance from St. Louis Park said he is uncomfortable with the legislature bypassing already established routes, such as work comp or even litigation.
5: I just can't think of any other precedent where this has been done.
4: Judiciary Committee Chairman Warren Limmer termed Latz's comments very helpful as the committee is, he says, gaining a little bit more information before a possible
0: vote later. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The countdown to the 2021 Twin season is here. Tasha Radel has more.
2: The season opener is April 8th and I cannot wait. There will be fans in the stands this year. Joining me today to talk Twins baseball is spokesman Matt Hotson. Matt, I think it's safe to say the fan experience is going to be a little different this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic.
6: Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's been uh, our, our goal really since since last season ended to find a way to, to safely bring our fans back to Target Field. Uh, you know, without them, really, our, our ballpark is just a building. They're, they're the heart and soul of Target Field. Uh, we need and want them back, and um, uh, it's been our, our sole focus. And through the partnership we had with uh, Governor Walls and the Minnesota Department of Health um, and our many partners, including 3M here locally, we, we put together a, a plan that. We know we can bring our fans back safely, and, and we're excited to implement it. Um, I tell you, the, the moment that, that Governor Walls turned the dial a couple of weeks ago is, is euphoric for us to know that our fans will be, will be back on April 8th and, and throughout the 2021 season. You know, we really looked at the entire fan experience throughout their their game day at Target Field and, and came up with corresponding protocols to meet each step of the way uh, to, to really – produce a a safe and welcoming environment for folks to come down and and watch Twins baseball Target Field. Uh, We will have um, contactless ticketing and entry. Uh, All tickets will be delivered digitally this year, so uh, you'll walk through uh, the magnetometers. You won't have to take out out your phone or your walls or anything. Uh, You'll scan your ticket, get into the ballpark. When you're in your seat, you'll have the ability to order your concessions and pay for your concessions straight from your mobile device. You'll get pinged when it's ready, then you go pick it up, um, uh, contactless experience there. Uh, and, and
7: as above, you don't
6: miss any of the game. Uh, we will have physical distancing markers set up throughout the ballpark from uh, outside and target field plaza and around all the gates and throughout the ballpark to really help enforce and establish that six feet distance. Um, to our, the, the, the seats themselves, we're selling our tickets and pods of two and four, and each one of those pods has six feet of distance in all directions uh, between them and the next pod. So really making sure that everyone is spaced out. Uh, we will have a, a mask policy that everyone uh, will be required to wear their mask at all times except when sitting in their seat actively eating and drinking. Uh, so really we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure that you have a safe experience while also still maintaining what makes coming to the ballpark great.
2: Now, when it comes to tickets, I know season ticket holders had first dibs and then they went on sale to the general public this past Thursday.
6: Yeah. So, you know, our season ticket holders, they, they have been through us this, this entire time. Uh, we had one of the highest retention rates in all of Major League Baseball for season ticket holders that stuck with us throughout this pandemic. Uh, so they were given the first crack of tickets. Uh, they had a cho- choice to uh, either be seated for every game in their plan uh, or participate in pre-sales uh, exclusive to them. Uh, so our season ticket holders did get the top priority, but we will have tickets left over. Uh, we'll make sure of that. Uh, and we are going on a month-by-month basis with our sales, just in case we're at a spot where um, we're allowed to, to open up capacity even more and then we would adjust our, our seating manifest. Uh, but there will be tickets Remaining for the general public,
2: Matt. I understand the organization is allowing for ten thousand fans in the stands for now. How does this compare to a non-pandemic year?
6: So our ballpark capacity is thirty-eight thousand five hundred forty-four. So we're at about twenty-five percent of that with the ten thousand to start the season. And
7: uh, again,
6: we do hope um, that uh, not not just for the the, for the Minnesota Twins, but for the entire state and um, and beyond that. as health metrics continue to improve and vaccinations uh go up we'll be in a spot um, hopefully to to increase that capacity uh, as the summer wears on
2: and now let's talk parking um this is not one of my favorite things but i'm really excited about this this year i understand you have developed a new plan to get fans in the stands without the hassle of parking worries
6: yeah we have you know we we realize that the, the game day experience for our fans isn't just the action on the field, it's their entire driveway-to-driveway driveway experience. So we want to make sure that fans coming downtown uh, this year, uh, first of all, feel welcome, know that downtown is open for business. Um, it is a, a safe, welcoming, secure environment. Um, but just to help them along the way, we've, we've um, worked with our partners in Minneapolis Parking to provide preferred game day parking for our fans. Uh, and ramps A and B, both adjacent to Target Field, and the Hawthorne ramp, which is about a block away, uh, all connected to the ballpark via Skyway or easily accessible on the street level. Um, Those parking ramps will have um, some enhanced security, and and folks can pre-reserve and pay in advance uh, using ParkWiz. And that will allow them the peace of mind to know, hey, I've got uh, my parking spot in ramp A or ramp B or the Hawthorne ramp. I paid in advance and at a discounted rate, $12 for A and B or $10 for uh, Hawthorne, uh, for the Hawthorne ramp. Both are multiple dollars off the normal rate. So you can have your, your secure parking spot within uh, uh, basically adjacent to the ballpark.
2: Well, Matt, we're about out of time. The floor is yours. Any parting words besides Let's Go Twins?
6: Just that we cannot wait to see our fans back at Target Field. It'll be a wonderful day on April 8th, our home opener, not just for the Twins, but for the state of Minnesota, uh, to have people outside together watching baseball again, and, and we can't wait for that moment.
2: Thanks again to my guest, Matt Hodson, spokesman for the Minnesota Twins. Throwing it back to you, Scott, at home base. Let's go Twins!
0: Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
5: Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University
0: of Minnesota named one of its own to lead the men's basketball program. Forty-year-old Ben Johnson, a former Gopher player and assistant coach, was named the new head coach earlier this week. MN M&M Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with the Minneapolis native about his new opportunity.
3: What are the emotions and the feelings right now as uh, as this last week or so has uh, unfolded?
7: It's been wild. You try to be prepared for it um, as best you can and, and have your, your ducks in a row, but it's been wild in a good way. You know, I think um, you know, this place and this state means so much to me. Um, and So to be able to be here today uh, with you and with everybody uh, is really unbelievable and, and a dream come true.
3: You were uh, born in Minneapolis, raised in Minneapolis, went to high school here, went to school here, yeah. was an assistant coach here. What, what part of all of that uh, brings to today kind of uh, a full circle, so to speak?
7: No, honestly, I think everything. You know, I was the kid that was in South Minneapolis, riding my bike, trying to find gyms and, and, <laughs> and parks to play at, um, you know, traveling basketball, obviously playing at De La Salle, uh, playing here. It's kind of come full circle. Um, so if you would have told me at any point in my life that like that was going to be the trajectory and, and this was going to be the outcome, I would have said you're crazy, uh, but like I said, it's, it's a dream come true, and, and, and couldn't be happier.
3: What, what does it mean? What, I mean, what, what uh, I'm sure you've spent the last day or so uh, exchanging text and yeah. talking and uh, enjoying this with family and friends.
7: Yeah. No, it, it means the world because I know the special position that I'm in. I, I know what it means to be the head coach at the University of Minnesota and what that stands for. And so I just want to represent myself, my family, the state the right way administration the right way Um, I think I understand the product that we need to have here to be successful and then also to engage our fan base Um, and so with all that gives me confidence to know that that we're going to hit the ground running Um, we're going to be thorough we're going to be aggressive we're going to do it the right way um, and we're going to bring the right kids to this university and this program to 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 sustain success I think that's the ultimate goal
3: I've got some basketball questions for you, but a couple of other sidebar questions before we get to that. Um, a lot of uh, players who played here while you were an assistant, a lot of parents of those players, uh, a lot of alums and other former players have, have voiced an endorsement, so to speak, a, as this was unfolding. What's that mean to you?
7: That's been probably the, the, the best part, you know, to be honest. You know, I have so many texts from you know, former players that I played with, uh, former players before me, parents of kids I recruited, kids that I recruited, uh, even even some that we didn't get um, that are from this state that reached out, high school coaches, AAU coaches, um, that part has been awesome. And, and that's why you do it. You know, you try to do things the right way and, and be a good person and be an honest person. Um, and I think, I know the people in Minnesota re- respect that and appreciate that. And so it's about relationships and you just want to continue to build and grow those relationships. So that part, I can't thank people enough. It means the world to me. Um, try to get back to them as best I can. And, and I hope they understand, I probably got a million people pissed, but um, in time. But no, it, it just shows what this state is about um, and how much they care about gopher basketball.
3: You um, are in that sweet spot in in life where you're young enough to be considered young but old (laughs) enough to have some experience now. You've been at Northern Iowa, you've been at Nebraska, you were here for five years. You experienced what it was like at Xavier to play in the Big East and coach in the Big East Uh, and through all of that those relationships um, you've you've maintained strong relationships here particularly in the state of Minnesota. What's all that experience mean that you've gathered here at still a relatively young age?
7: Yeah, no, I got into the business really early and quick, almost, you know, right after I played here. Um, so I'll be going on my 16th year already. Um, and so you do, you gain all types of experiences. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that I learned is just the, 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 to be who you are, um, don't ever change. Um, and then it's the value of, of trust. You know, I think when, when you trust, you're trustworthy and you give trust and you show trust, that's when relationships can really grow. And in this business, it is all about relationships. And you know, I've had a ton of help along the way. You know, I didn't get here by myself. Um, so you know, I'd like to thank a lot of people uh, that helped me be in this position. Um, and it's just been awesome.
3: Um, how about an identity? What would you like this program's identity, both on and off the court, to be? Uh, as Ben Johnson, as the head coach.
7: I think the first thing is is we want to recruit. And we're going to have character people in our program, whether that's my step, myself, our staff, obviously our players, and the kids that we will bring in future recruits. Um, You know, core values are a lot to me. You know, and I think we need to uh, develop a culture of consistent core values. You know, trust, integrity, and competitiveness. You know, we got to be able to to trust each other. The guys got to be able to trust themselves. We got to be able to you know trust the process, Um, and we got to do it with integrity in everything we do whether that's on the court, in the classroom, socially, but develop men of integrity that understand that value. And then we gotta compete in everything we do. We gotta be competitive dudes. And we gotta be learning to fight, play hard, never back down, compete to the very end. And I think that's the product that people wanna see. They wanna see guys give their all. They wanna see max effort all the time. And you know that's what we're willing to do. Uh, we're gonna be fighters and, uh, and we're gonna get everything we got.
3: Is there a particular style of play that you want to bring that will fit uh, that culture that you want to create?
7: Yeah, I think you know, obviously, winning. I think mean, the winning style. You know, I think it changes. I think um, a lot depends on you know your roster and what you have. Um, you know, ideally, you want to play an exciting brand of basketball. You know, you want to get up and down the floor. You want to make shots. You want to be skilled, have talent, obviously. Um, but I think at the at the end of the day, the meat of it is, is you got to have that competitive nature. You got to have a little bit of nasty to you. You know, you gotta be able to defend. This is a defensive league. You gotta guard in the half court. You gotta be able to score and play offense in the half court. And you gotta have skill. You gotta be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. I think shooting is a premium. Um, And so I think all those things will target in recruiting. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be a style that that wins, that's gonna be aggressive, it's gonna be fun to watch, but it's gonna be something that everybody in this state can be proud of.
0: That's new Gopher men's basketball coach Ben Johnson and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.